Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and we have a couple of people joining us today. We've got Dan. How are you, Dan? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good, Alex. How are you? Yeah, very good. Very good. It's been a great week for City. We've also got Logan with us. How are you, Logan? Alex, Dan, good to see you, boys. Good to be back. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, we were sort of talking last week, Logan, about um, the, sort of the big couple of fixtures we had coming up against uh, both Leeds and Stoke. I will talk the Leeds game first, and I guess I will start with you. Um, sold out MKM Stadium, nil-nil draw, and arguably a draw that you know we were pretty unlucky not to come away with the three points. Absolutely, I think when you started, um, or when we finished the episode last week, rather, you said that you'd be pretty happy with four points. That was kind of the the goal, and you know, I, I guess when you when you reflect on the game, particularly the Leeds game, it you know it, it should have almost definitely been six, and I think that the fact that that's even you know, what we're talking about um, probably talks about the, the leaps and bounds um, of the way that City have come on um, in the in the previous uh, few weeks and just the, the way that we're playing football. But, um, yeah, look, the Leeds game was, was a really interesting one for mine. I, I thought, you know, particularly that first half, but, um, in, like, absolutely the first half an hour, um, I thought we looked out of our depth and, and not incredibly out of our depth, but I think it was just kind of, you know, paid tribute to Leeds being a, a Premier League team that had been relegated and you know, they still got a lot of star power on the pitch and uh, they, they looked really up for the challenge and a lot of our speculation was how we would handle the occasion and, it, you know, half an hour into the game, it, the answer was not well. Um, but as the game grew on and as the kind of, uh, I guess, a foothold uh, kind of, you know, got got put in the game by, by City and, and then the red card obviously made a huge difference. Um, they really didn't look like scoring in the second half. And, uh, you know, the, I know that we'll talk in length about it, I'm sure, but the Traore miss is, is obviously the focal point that it's just one of those things that happens in football. And it doesn't matter how many times you watch the replay, you just cannot believe that he missed, um, you know, that goal from that position. And I, I just, I, I can't, can only imagine what was going through Connolly's head. Um, when he delivered the pass, it was like he, he must have peeled off and started celebrating early. It was it was such a gimmick. But, um, you know, that's obviously the critical moment in the 88th minute, I believe. Apart from that, it was a, a really um, solid 60, 65 minutes by City and um, one that gives us a lot of optimism for, you know, for moving forward. Yeah, I mean, all I can say is I'm so, so, so happy that Adama scored against Stoke because... <laughs> I'm sure that moment was, you know, he, he'd not have been able to sleep after that Leeds game with that miss that, you know, as a player, you'd just be absolutely kicking yourself when you've basically cost your team three points in that sense. Um, Dan, yeah, thoughts on that overall performance against Leeds? Because, I mean, look, I think Logan's spot on. I think first half we really um, kind of weathered the storm from Leeds' pressure and it was only really that second half we could kind of grow into the game and, and show what we what we could offer. Yeah, I don't... I mean... Given the context of when Traore's miss was, like I can understand why you consider it sort of, you know, the, those points dropped. But I think overall the nil was a fair result because they had some really big chances early on. They were only like a sensational all-sup save at the near post, um, I think with his feet, which, um, mm. uh, you know, which which stopped them going 1-0 quite early in the game after about 15 or something minutes. So... Um, 
I think, you know, you know, Logan did mention Leeds were quite dominant. Um, I think they, they pressed us well in the right areas to, to, to regain possession quite quickly, um, which, you know, we, we adapted at halftime and then obviously were, was certainly dominant in the second period, even before the red card. But um, I just think it was, it was almost a game of two halves and due to that, I, I kind of think a nil-all was, was, was pretty fair. Um, I think it would have been harsh on either team to have lost that game. I thought, I mean, but... Just in, in a general sense, like I thought it was a really good game of football, um, which is nice. It's nice to actually just, you know, we're pretty much watching City every week and going, you know, this is actually just enjoyable to watch um, for, for once, which is not always the case um, when you watch football or follow City. So, um, I mean, that's just, <laughs> I, I guess, again, echoing, you know, Logan's sentiment, but just how far we have come since even the end of last season and this season where... I think it's that we're, we were talking. We talked a lot at length last year about turning losses into draws, and now this year focusing on turning draws into wins. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing. This is a game that last year we probably would have conceded those early goals to Leeds, and we would have lost it. But we've, um, you know, found a way to to stay in in the game. Um, you know, had our opportunities to, to win it, but didn't. But um, we we didn't lose it. So they're, they're valuable points earned against um, tough opposition. Is is there any criticism or frustration with the fact that we didn't have any shots on target um, despite Leeds going down to 10 men? I mean, I, I've seen sort of the argument made that, you know, it's a sold-out NKM, it's a derby game, they've gone down to 10 men and we've still not managed a shot on target. I mean, I, I sort of see it similar with the Leicester game where we're, we're approaching these games very much as a don't lose first of all and then if you can snatch a goal, um, sort of take that as a bonus. And, and I don't hate that as an approach, but... Do you sort of see any, um, see any see any sort of fairness in that criticism of, of, of not having had that shot on target, Dan? Not really, because I think it's one of those things where we are still a work in progress. And I think, like, you know, we, cre- we had lots of attacking intent in the second half. So it's not like we were we were parking the bus playing for a new law. We were, we were going for it and we were, we were exposing it and we were trying, trying to make it work. But it was just in that final third, the, the decision-making or, you know, or finishing as it were, um, you know, I know um, Philogene's been working real hard, but sort of seems to be at times slowing the play up way too much. Um, when he gets on the edge of the box, he's not sure which option he should take. He sort of stands there and stands there and then tries to fake out the, his defender and do something. And I think, you know, we saw, you know, in the Stoke game when he actually just went, I'm going for it and I made my decision early and I'm driving, then, you know, he was able to make something happen, um, you know, setting up Connolly. So um, I think that's sort of, you know, one, one aspect of it where we get into that final third, we're a bit slow, um, not um, really that willing to really take on those um, wide defenders and get in behind, um, which, you know, I think Vidagre does really well, um, but, yeah, just I think that was sort of it. It wasn't through a lack of effort, um, and, and obviously, you know, to, to fill the MKM, it would have been great to have come away with a win, especially against um, Leeds. But I, I think the fact that we filled the MKM is reason to celebrate enough. Yeah, absolutely. And I look, and I thought, yeah, yeah that point of Philogene, um, I think, was almost emphasised by when Lakilo came on the field late and then was driving mm-hmm. at goals so effectively that sort of highlighted. What, the bit, what a bit of directness can do to our game. Um, Logan, what, what did you make of it in terms of, <clears throat> I suppose, almost going for the... 
I say that going for the draw first is in it's not that we were parking the bus, like Dan said. I don't think we were parking the bus, but we were certainly going out there not to lose, I, I felt. In the beginning stages, for, for sure. But I, I do think that it, it's kind of a trend that we've seen in the in the last, not just isolating the Leeds game, but we are coming home with a wet sail. And I, I do think that is a you know large testament to how much we are moving the ball around. I think the fact that we are playing a possession-heavy game and, and really forcing teams to work to get back in shape, it's allowing us to to play the way that we've been playing in the last you know, 15, 20 minutes in particular. I mean, outside of the Norwich game, which, uh, you know, they certainly were the were the team that you would say were the aggressors that came home, um, despite us scoring against the run of play early. Um, it has been all City. And I think that there's a stat to back that up with um, how prolific we've been in the dying moments of games in the last sort of 15, 20 minutes. And to me, that's no surprise. I mean, look, I, I, I agree with what Dan's saying in the sense that Leeds, uh, in, on the balance of play, uh, would have found themselves or felt rather, you know, robbed to to not have taken away a point. But, like, when we talk about that Traore miss, that wasn't just, like, you know, some long-range speculation, goal, like, attempt. It was it was through, like, a, an incredible patch of, of dominance, of moving the ball around, passing into that uh, place where he finally, you know, broke their defence, unlocked them so much so that it was a tap-in. And the tap-in was missed. And I think that that's really speaks, you know, true to uh, Rossini's philosophy. It doesn't always mean that we're going to have shots on target. But, I mean, Dan hit the nail on the head when he said it it wasn't like there was an attacking play. It was all City. Um, And you got to remember that when Leeds did go down to 10 men, they did have a tendency to, like anyone, to sit behind the, you know, sit behind the ball and really, really try and, you know, shut up shop. And, and I think they did a, a fairly good job of it, uh, of it because we didn't score. But with that being said, like, it wasn't like we we're sitting there going, oh, this game's just going to peter out. We're not going to get a goal. Like, right up until the dying moments, th- there was every chance that we were going to finally get that breakthrough. And I think that that's probably more important. Um, the fact that we can sit there and say, we really threw the kitchen sink at them. Um, and it should have scored as opposed to going, oh, we just didn't have any answers once they, you know, sat down, we kind of ran out of ideas and the game fizzled out. So I, I kind of look at it as a, as a real um, a real positive to, to walk away with that feeling. Um, if there is any silver lining, I'm sure Traore would like hearing, uh, you know, that viewpoint given he was the, the one responsible. Yeah, no doubt. Um, well, look, I might start with you then uh, for uh, your um, uh, MVP votes for the match, I suppose, Logan. Yeah, look, I've I, I tossed and toiled with this one. I, I want to give it to Connolly, um, but I'm going to give him two points. I thought um, I thought uh, what's his name, uh, keeper also. Also, also is is three for me. I think that the the critical moment is in, in the, the the first half. Um, he just absorbs so much pressure, and you know, it, it, on another day he concedes that goal. We come away losing. Um, so I'm going to give him the three points. I thought Connolly uh, two and, and Philogene was one for me. I know that there is definitely, um, as Dan said, when he when he attacks, um, and particularly when he gets into the space early, um, he, he looks dominant when he's running at defenders. When he is bringing the ball into the final third and they're kind of set, he doesn't look to have that part of his game figured out just yet. Uh, but he was a menace. He, he would be my one point. And, and I say that... Um, the honourable mention to Delap as well because I thought he was yeah. fantastic until he was um, until he was taken off. But yeah, really hard three two one to give. Um, it was it was a fantastic game and um, as Dan said, it just uh, like very pleasing football all around. 
Yeah, I actually was thinking of Delap, uh, who just missed out on votes for me um, before you said that, as, as someone we haven't really mentioned, but I thought he was fantastic as well. And um, your comment about the fact that Leeds def- definitely sat a lot deeper once they got the red card definitely played against Delap. And I think that's probably why Rosinha took him off because he, he does so well on the turn and driving at that space. But um, yeah, look, another fantastic performance from him as well. Um, but Dan, uh, what were your votes for the game? Yeah, look, let me just make them up right now. Um, yeah. I forgot about everything. And then I was like, who did what and what happened? Um, so looking at this, I'm trying to remember what happened. Um, so this is real bad. <laughs> I can give mine first if you want while you have a think about it. Um, I think, uh, no, so I'm, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go three to Connolly. Um, for almost setting up the winner, earning the, you know, get, taking the foul that got, oh, what's his mate, old mate sent off, um, and just general busyness. Because um, I think he's currently in the top five, like, goals per minute play or whatever in the, in the, in, like, in the, in the football league. Yeah. yeah, which is crazy. So uh, I'll go three to I'm going to go two to also. For, again, just um, a couple of uh, really, really smart saves. And it was one in the first half, and then one does a counter in that second half just after they copped red. And I was like, here we go. This will be the moment where we, you know, concede. I think we talked about it in the chat. So this will be one of those games where they'll we'll somehow manage to lose when we've got the man advantage, and then they, like, count it straight away. Um, but I think a big save um, there. And I'm going to go – I'm going to go one to Greaves for – I mean – just again, just he's having a real good season again, uh, back in his more preferred central position. And you know, it's a clean sheet, which you know, as we sort of touched on that first half an hour or so, didn't maybe look um, like that was going to be the case. So. Yeah, and actually, even in saying that, I mean, late in the game, Greaves has shifted out to that left wing back role when I think McLaughlin came on, and, and again, like his overlapping out that on that left hand side was really creating a few chances for us as well. Um, and, and, yeah, look, I mean, we haven't talked more generally about Orsop obviously making his debut in this one. Um, we can talk more about him in the Stoke game as well. Uh, but he was my man of the match as well. I mean, I he's another one. Like, you know, we've sort of seen it in social media with everyone in the last few days has been making the point about, you know, you look at Connolly, rubbished by Middlesbrough last season or the season before, not doing well at Brighton either, coming in here and, he's, as you say, he's got one of the highest goal contributions across the four divisions. You know, Alsop, who Derby fans and Cardiff fans were rubbishing, and he's come in here and had two sort of man-of-the-match performances for us. You've got Delap, um, who Stoke and Preston fans were rubbishing. Like, there's so many players who've just come in here, and it's, it's so refreshing because for so many years it just felt like players came in and were either worse than they'd been previously or just didn't really do much here. Um, we've actually now got... A manager in and a system in that actually develops and improves players, which is awesome to see. Um, but yeah, Allsop was my my uh, man of the match with the three votes. I thought, yeah, that save on Rutter in the first half, as well as a few others. And he's he's just his ability on the ball. We'll talk more about it with the Stoke game. But those long passes for everyone that you know wants us to lump it up forward. Um, Allsop's sort of the man of their dreams, surely. Um, Connolly for my two votes. Yeah, almost created the winning goal. Uh, for Traore, and I went Lakilo for the one vote. I thought his directness when he came on was um, was really productive and um, really caused a lot of issues for Leeds. <clears throat> um, but we'll, we'll move on now and talk the Stoke game, the three-one win, which um, 
I was sort of so I went to Cheers for this one with a, with a mate to watch it, and and I sort of said to him, "This is the sort of game we need to be putting away two nil, three nil sort of scoreline to really, you know, your games against your top teams like a Leeds or so on. It's 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 a sort of a different complexion, but these games against." I guess, bottom half sides or, or sides that should be finishing below us. We really need to be putting away quite clinically to, to sort of prove our credentials to be a playoff side. Um, and at halftime, up 2-0, it was it was a really smooth performance. And, and even at full time, you know, we considered that goal late, but even so, it was a really smooth performance from the team. And um, I think, Logan, you were saying, or Dan, you were saying with Philogene in this game, um, really showed his directness and ability to get to the byline, setting up that first goal for Connolly. Um, but Logan, I'll start with you. You know, I think it was our first win at Stoke since 2008 or 2006 or something like that. Completely wild stat, but a really impressive performance. It's it's one of the happiest I think I've felt watching City in um, in a long time. I think that the first 20 minutes uh, seemed kind of scrappy, and it was it was kind of it was a very open game, and you could see what we were like trying to do. But it just it felt like the kind of chemistry from the the tail end of the Leeds game had, had been thrown out the window, and then as soon as that first goal um, kind of kind of dropped, I felt like everything just fell into place. We really looked like um, you know a, a well um, a well drilled unit, and it was just the the manner in in the way that the ball was moving around. We we frustrated the hell out of Stoke, and it was almost like. From the moment of that first goal, I just had this um, really confident feeling that we were going to win. Um, even as I will do three, two, one shortly. But as I was going through my three, two, ones, uh, as I kind of ran, you know, through the team sheet, there was like key moments that I could recall from nearly everybody that I'm like, oh, that was like that was significant. Um, and I guess you know, overall, it was a great performance. The the player, the player for mine, that is just. Um, you know, went well, well above and beyond what I was expecting is, um, is Morton. I think Tyler Morton is an incredible player. I think that um, from what, what we've seen of him in the last couple of fixtures, uh, this was a game where he was just able to, to, to boss the, you know, the, oh, I say boss the midfield as well. I, I think he works really well with Seri, but I, I just haven't seen someone so confident, you know, box to box that, um, every time he, he touches the ball, like his decision making is is incredible. He seems everywhere, um, and I just think that the more time he gets playing, um, you know, in the in the centre around midfield, he is going to be um, maybe find of the year. I know I picked Connolly for my player of the season, but uh, watching watching what he's capable of, um, I just got really excited. But it was it was a great game. Um, I, I, as I said, I, I can't really can't really fault the performance overall, other than the consolation goal we conceded. And um, the build-up play to Slater's goal was was something that we're not used to seeing. I think it was like twenty-six passes or something. Um, yeah, and just a well-worked team team goal with a you know stellar finish. Yeah, I mean, as you say, the the first twenty minutes were a bit ponderous, and I think I said in the chat that you know we need to be telling the players that we're already one 0 down to actually just kick them into gear because it seems as if it takes us conceding a goal, usually anyway, to um to really go out and uh, turn it up a gear, but. Um, look, the, the other thing I suppose I was sort of screaming at the television was I just found uh, Philogene just seemed to have so much space on that right-hand side. They just seemed to be hanging off him completely. And I don't know if it was Seri or, um, I mean, maybe Morton to an extent as well, um, but, but certainly some of the midfield, maybe Slater actually, the ball would come through the midfield and it was almost like they would have their back to Philogene and he'd have all this space and they would play it back the way they'd come rather than turning and playing him into space and keeping the move going. And I don't know if it was Rosinia who said something to them or what it was that 
finally they did start to find Philogene and, of course, gets to the byline for that first goal for Connolly. Um, but then, yeah, look, everything started to click into place and, and we, we looked absolutely brilliant. But, yeah, Dan, Dan, what were your overall thoughts on this one? Um, first, well, just a quick question. Do we have an option to buy on Tyler Morton? That's a great question. I don't actually know. I don't, <laughs> I don't think we do. But, you, you know, you'd hope that maybe there's – I mean, he, he is a great player. And, look, he has played mm. for Liverpool a few times. So the worry is they probably do see him as um, – someone that will come into their side at some point. But, hey, look, we got Philogene, so maybe we get him and just get a buyback or something. Yeah, don't know. But, yeah, he's um, a, hell of a hell of a young player. Um, but uh, I think overall, like, this was, uh, I, I mean, again, just a real enjoyable, apart from that first little section. Once, I don't know, it seems like we sort of do, we start slow and we sort of build into it. And I think part of that is about, was contributing to us, you know, the, the coming home with a wet sail. That, like, is not just that we've run everyone else off their legs, but I think also is, like, that first bit of the game, we're sort of, like, feeling it out and we're just trying to figure out, like, how this is, how, how, we, how we're going to work to break that, you know, this team down. There's a little bit of that um, going on because you see, like, you know, Rizzing on the sideline and he's screaming at everyone and directing people around. And, like, Philogene in this game was one where he kept, what else he wants the ball, so he's drifting inside, and you keep seeing him on side. Get out there, keep. Just like shifting him back out wide. Um, there was certainly quite a number of occasions where the ball to him was on and it never arrived. There was a couple of times, I think you made a comment in the chat, and then Slater had it and um, went to like turn or something. He went, went to play it and then didn't at the last minute. And I was like, there was something, I think the player drifted out to Mark Philogene or something last minute. I was like, yeah, I can forgive him for that one. But, yeah, he um, he was finding himself in lots of space, um, which was real good. Um, yeah, Morton was, was immense in the midfield. I think the only other disappointing thing um, was Greaves getting that, another getting yep. yellow, which was um, as a result of um, – that was Sarah Slip, wasn't it, that got him the thing on Greaves' yellow? Was that a different, different tackle? It might have been, yeah. Look, my memory gets quite hazy of the end of this oh, game. I yeah. had many beers by that point. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but, yeah, I think um, that's probably the only other frustrating thing, that he's, you know, five yellow cards and we're eight games into the season. Like, it's not a sustainable mm. return on that part of his game. Um, oh, no, this was the yellow card that I was, when I first saw, I was like, geez, this is going to be a red. He came in, it was like a straight leg, studs up, um, but didn't co- collect the bloke that um, that strongly. That's right. This one, but um, yeah. Like, it's, I, I was going to say I, I do remember it now. The Seri, uh, the moment with Seri that you're talking about was Seri actually got himself a yellow card, oh, um, yeah. clean, cleaning up the challenge. But I, I remember it was it was significant for many reasons. But that was that was the wash up. So I think yeah, the grave time was later in the game. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, on Seri, what, what did you boys make of Seri and Connolly getting into a bit of um, bit of a uh, an argument on halftime? I mean, Rosinia said, "Look, that's fine. That's what you want. You want competitive players." So, are we we happy? For the, like, I'm I'm loved, happy with it. Loved it. I, I think yeah. that it's exactly like Rosinia articulated it beautifully when he said, "Like, that's the the problem with a well problem. That's a challenge in a championship. You need a squad." And part of having a squad is you've got players fighting for spots and, and that creates that type of hunger where they just want to win. And I, you know, I, I particularly think about the tail end of the 
I want to say the COVID season, but it was um, when Eric Lehigh, et cetera, were there. Like, there was a real argument that just not many players, like even as fans, we didn't really feel acquainted with the players. And that might have had, you know, to do with the fact that the stadiums were empty, but it wasn't like they had a real care. Well, many of them would be kind of criticised for not really valuing being there. I think the fact that you've got Connolly on loan for 12 months, um, you know, hopefully a longer term, blowing up at, you know, arguably our best player, like certainly on paper in FIFA rankings, et cetera, et cetera. Um, to, to see that kind of hostility um, in, in a, like, channeled in a, you know, manageable way, I think is exactly what we need to see. And, you know, I'm sure that, you know, what happens in, in the dressing room and stuff, like, so they, they hugged it out, whatever else needed to happen. At the end of the day, like, it, it looked to me like it was all in, you know, well-meaning spirit, just a, a hostility and desire to win. And I'm all right with that. I think that's something that um, is, a, is a fresh change for us. Um, I'll, the only thing I'd add, or like, it's really staggering, but is that, you know, I think the, the successful clubs have, you know, the, the players themselves driving those high standards. It's one thing for the manager to say, like, These are the, this is the standard we want to play at, this is the standard we want, this is what I want for the players. But to, to really work and for that culture to be driving forward and improving and having that, you know, culture of growth and, and success, you really need, you know, players to, to be the ones who drive that. And I think that's, you know, as long as that's what you saw, you just saw, you know, players who want to win, they want to be successful for the club, with the club, um, you know, and and to be fair, you know, Seri was having a pretty shit game up until that point. He'd slipped a few times, given the ball away. Um, and so I think, you know, it's probably better, you know, coming from Connolly than it ends up being in the change room, you know, half time and having, you know, Rosine, you go, oh, yes, you know, Sarah, you know, you're being wasteful with the ball or whatever, having someone else, on, you know, at his level go, dude, you're better than this, you got to pick it up. Because um, I'm sure that's exactly what he said. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, that's why I just I feel like in terms of you know, culture, I think it's really important that you have players driving those standards. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and I, I thought, um, yeah, look, I thought it was probably one of Sarri's <clears throat> weaker games for the season. So um, I think I think one of the the impressive things as well, more generally speaking, is is you look at the changes for the side and you look at the fact that Twine, <clears throat> Delap, and Coyle were out from the starting eleven, with Vinagre, Traore, and Morton coming in, and we still have such a dominant or was, had such a dominant display against Stoke. And you think the fact that as a non relegated club to be able to make those sorts of substitutions or, or, or changes to the starting lineup. Um, and still feel such a strong side is a real positive and a real, like we, we sort of talked about the fact that last season we, we ended the season without much depth and we had, you know, no strikers essentially. You think, you know, even this season we started with guys like Vaughan in the starting 11 uh, and I don't think he was even making the bench for this game. So you've got a whole lot of depth now that we didn't have previously. I mean, granted, maybe still a little bit thin up top, um, but yeah, two fan still to come back in as well. And, um, you know, Greaves obviously will be ashamed to miss for the game, but you've got McLaughlin who can step in in his place as well. So um, it's a real positive for us that we're sitting there in fourth place in the table with with such a strong squad as it's starting to to be seen. Yeah, I think because um, my thing is always like at the beginning of the season, it's always like all right, ten, 10 games in sort of is you get a feel for where you're, how you're travelling. And 
you know, previous years that after 10 games, you know, after three games, it's looked great. And after 10, it's looked pretty average. So, uh, you know, we're at eight. So a couple more games, uh, which we're about to talk about shortly. But um, I think uh, I, I think we'll be, you know, I, I think above my expectations for where um, I thought we'd be sitting. I mean, we're traveling above, not, not what I hoped or dreamed, but above what I expected. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll talk about those games in a second. We'll do. Um, I might start with you, Dan, first for the votes for uh, for this one. Yeah, look, and as I think Logan sort of was saying, like there was such, such strong performances all around on this one. It was really cha- um, challenging to decide. Um, but the more we talked about him, the more I decided I was going to give him three points. Um, so I'm going to give Tyler Morton three points um, for a really really strong performance. Um, and then I was torn. Um, because I had three goal scorers, um, you know, lots of other players had really, really good games. Um, but there was just a couple of moments. Uh, there, was a, there was a free kick in particular that um, also dived low to his right and pushed it around the post, um, which I thought was an, an impressive piece of goalkeeping, as well as a couple of other really smart saves. So also he's picking up some more points for me. I'm going to give him two. And I think it would be remiss of me not to reward Traore for you know taking that first opportunity to, to forget about La, um, the Leeds game. So one point to Traore for, for netting one um, against Stoke. But yeah, I feel bad chance. for missing out Slater's like one to strike, and I feel bad for not rewarding Philogene for the assist, and I feel bad for not all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just one of those games, isn't it? Um, what about you, Logan? Yeah, that's that's definitely different to how I would have gone. My my three points is Philogene. I actually thought that he was the, the crucial piece in the game and and I know that I praised Tyler Morton as well because he was outstanding. So I'm gonna go Philogene three, um, Tyler Morton two, and then my one point, and this is this is what I'm super undecided on. So maybe you can uh, you can sway me with a bit of a, a case, but I thought that also um, was had a, had another corker of a game. And then I think that Connolly as well, because like he's back on the score sheet, he looks like a threat. Um, the, and I, I feel like my opinion of Allsop is purely for the assist um, in the second goal. Um, you know, when we talk about going long, I think that's what Rosinia likes about him, is that not only is he capable with his feet and, and looks to play out, but he also does have that option to go long. And I don't know if you caught the uh, the post-match um, interview with uh, Rosinia, they sort of said to him that, um, you know, it looked yeah, like mo- mo- Mother Nature was on um, all stop side for the second goal. And he was like, no, he's like, this is why <laughs> yeah. I brought him to the club. He's like, it, it, he does this all the time. Like, this is why he's here. Um, and I thought that was a really would have been a, a very encouraging thing to hear if you're, if you're all stop. So I feel like the assist is the thing that's swaying me um, in, in the all stop direction. But uh, I now that I've talked to, talked about it, I feel like that was an honourable mention to Allsop. I'm going to give one point to Connolly because he's prolific and he just looks such a threat every single time he, you know, shows up in the box. I, I really like what he's doing and and also the fact that he got, you know, had a bit of um, a bit of beef with Sari and, and fired the boys up. I'll, I'll give him a point for that. Yeah, look, and this is where it's good to have three people on for such a um, a, a positive game because we can kind of share the love around because I've, I've actually gone Allsop for the three points. I thought. Uh, yeah, look, I love those comments from Rosie after the game because he's just like, nah, it's like, you know, it was all awesome. That's It's a great pass that he can ping up to um, Connolly on the wing for the Traore goal. Um, his, his saves, like Dan was saying, like the free kick and everything, like he was probably, 
the, the quote-unquote most underwhelming signing of the summer in the sen- most unheralded, maybe maybe a, a fairer word for it. Where yeah, um, can I, so I don't want to. Can I interrupt? No, because yes. you said that, and then I just remember when we signed, we talked about signing him, and I said like, yeah, like he's fine. I think like I was like, I don't think he really adds anything. Like he's not necessarily better than Ingram. I think he's just like you know they're they're kind of on par. Um, he's a good like you know depth signing or signing to keep them like competitive, but. Um, since he's come into the first team, he's kind of looked, um, you know, uh, like he just suits, maybe just suits this system much better than Ingram or something. Yeah. But, but I just don't understand it because I thought <laughs> even against Leeds, I'm watching him going, yeah, okay, look, he's great with his feet. He can pick a pass. His shot stopping must be awful. Like that must be his weakness. That must be why people don't rate him. His shot stopping has been brilliant. And I'm just like, as a goalkeeper, like how – how was like why did people think he was poor like because it was was he that much worse in other systems like i just don't get it like he's yeah. looked absolutely brilliant um for us maybe it's just the confidence the confidence of having something like yeah. you know someone like rosie who just is all about you know up in his players and saying like no like there's no other factors like he's a good player it's not you know it's not whether it's not that he's an angry you know bastard it's not this it's like these are good things that i want out of my players and it's good for them to show and i think that full backing i think you know encourages or allows these players to, to sort of play and show their potential. So I think... Yeah, I said at the start of the episode, there's been so many examples in this squad now of players that were not rated at previous mm-hmm. clubs who've come in and done such a good job here. And, and Allsop's just another example. So look, hopefully it continues for him because he, he's looked terrific in the first two games. Connolly, I went for the two votes. Yeah, goal and an assist. Um, I was I was sort of worried towards the end of the game. He was looking a bit proppy and... I, think he got a yellow card but um you know the fact the fact that we could take him off <clears throat> for for Delap late in the game is great to have that sort of option and depth to do that um and he looked really really up for it again uh and Morton for the one vote I thought he was terrific as well but yeah absolutely look you've got honorable mentions to Philogene to Traore to Greaves um to Benagre uh, had a really good game as Benagre Benagre as well. another one yeah, is he, I yeah. think that was his, his, his best performance I think. Uh, I, by far the mate, the mate who was with me is an evidence supporter and I was introducing him to Vinagre because of course Vinagre barely played for Everton last season on loan um but was absolutely terrific for us so um, yeah, look, outstanding from him as well. Um, so, no, look, all, all around a great game. I think it was Alex Neal came up out after the game and sort of just said we played them off the park. And it, it's rare to have a, a an opposition manager so effusive in praise for the side. Um, we sort of got used to in the League One season of managers all saying that they were lucky to win, they didn't deserve it. So um, good to actually have a manager recognise our, um, our um, ability, I suppose, in a game. Um, we've got two tricky games coming up. We'll start with the Plymouth game. Both both of these games against promoted clubs, but not your traditional sort of promoted club because both of these sides are absolutely flying. Um, Plymouth managed by Stephen Schumacher, who took over in December of 2021 when Ryan Lowe went to Preston. Um, most recently, uh, in their most recent outing, beat Norwich 6-2, so it sort of underlines just how uh, dangerous they can be going forward. Um, interesting, I mean, they've only got two wins in their last five, so it's not as if they're flying in the same way that Ipswich are. But I suppose the common theme between these two sides is sort of their all-out attack um, approach to games. And it will be really fascinating to see how we approach these games against them, whether we look to contain them and, I suppose, grind them off the park and and, and sort of, you know, wear them out as we have in previous games, whether we go toe-to-toe with them and and try and win 4-3 or what we do to sort of um, deal with them. Um, I'll start with you, Dan, I suppose, with the Plymouth game first. Uh, what, what's your sort of take on, you know, look, I, I guess 
we can almost talk about these two games collectively. Like it's, it's they're very similar in the sense that we're, they're both promoted clubs, both all out attack sort of sides. Um, is it a case of, you know, six points really has to be the aim or is it a case of a bit of reality that these two sides are pretty dangerous and look, if it's four points or three points, we, we sort of are happy to take it? Um, yeah, look, it's, I, I think like probably three or four points. Like I think that would be a fair um, return. Um, like I think they saw like Plymouth now after they like obviously a lot of these goals came in this one game against Norwich, but they're now the second most uh, score, like second highest scorers in the league or something with their 13. Um, and I think, you know, they possibly, you know, have the potential to, I mean, they're going to be sky high with confidence after a win like that. So, um, you know, it could be, could be a bit of a banana skin um, of a game. But I, I think, you know, a team like that that does go all out and attack, I think the, the benefit is that that leaves us lots of space to exploit. And I think we have plenty going the other way as well. Um, so... I'm not too worried about that. If they're going to go all out attack and they're going to, you know, press high or step high, well, that's just going to leave heaps of room for, for Philogene and Delap and Connolly and whoever else to, to get into and to take advantage of. And that's where, you know, all sorts, you know, going to ping it long and, you know, um, you know, set us up again. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's – I think they are – they're tricky games and I think it's mostly tricky because of, like, how well we've started. And you go, you know, we've lost one and eight and go, well, kind of like on form you go well we should probably beat these two teams they're not you know they're newly promoted um but it's kind of a weird um weird season so far like in a few regards like Middlesbrough I mean they're starting to sort of piece together now but no one really expected them to be floundering down at the bottom um you know and to see I think all the promoted sides are going quite well um this season so it's bar Sheffield Wednesday well yeah, I suppose I've put that in. Um, but who cares? Sheffield, whatever. Um, yeah, I think um, it, it's just a weird season. But I think, the, I, like, if I got, if we, we got a win and a win and a loss or a win and a draw, I, I, I'd be, I, I'd be okay with that. I think um, that's still going to keep us, um, you know, in or in or around that top six. Like, if we're if we're talking about chasing down the teams above us, then we have to get six points. Um, but, again, who knows? Like, uh, uh, like just Plymouth against Norwich shows that anybody can beat anybody on any given day, and, and we being the only team to beat Leicester shows anybody can beat anybody. So um, even though, you know, there's nothing to say that, the, the, you know, one, two, or three won't also drop points in the next, <coughs> in the next two games. So I don't know. It's just hard to say. I think, like, yeah. I feel like we're playing really well. We're, we should be confident as well. So I, I'm expecting at least a win out of the two. Yeah, I mean, look, there is a little bit of a gap starting to form with that top three. I think it's four or five points behind um, Preston that we find ourselves in. Um, Logan, I guess, bringing that Ipswich game into it as well. I mean, Kieran McKenna's also been there since December 2021. Hugely rated um, sort of young English coach coming through. Um, Ipswich sitting there in second with I think it's four wins in their last five, um, doing doing incredibly well. It's sort of hard, I suppose, not to look at these games as 
very winnable because of the fact that they are coming up from League One. Um, but at the same time, you almost have to temper yourself a little bit with your expectations, given the fact that, as Dan said, I mean, look, anyone can beat anyone on the day. We can't take these games for granted. Absolutely. Momentum is a, is a really funny thing. And, you, you know, I'm, I'm sure that as we kind of go throughout the season, you see teams even at the top of the league. I mean, it's, it's very rare that you just have a team walk the championship in. Um, it's, it's very much kind of topsy-turvy. You have periods. I mean, I, I remember playing Portsmouth a couple of seasons ago around Christmas and looking at it, it's been this crucial um, game. And I remember vividly that they were like one and we were three or something like that. And the game felt like it had a lot of sting. Actually, it might have been League One, uh, stand corrected. But it felt like this, you know, ginormous, colossal fixture. And, and we went out and, and beat them from memory. Um, or maybe they beat us. And I remember being extremely deflated. And we'd put so much emphasis on this game at the start of December. And that's very much where I see both of these fixtures. Like, um, Ipswich is probably the, the fixture that scares me a little bit more than Plymouth. But I just, I'm just looking at the way we're playing at the moment. And... I find it really hard to go, like, as Dan said, we've beat Leicester. Like, we've, we have we should have probably beaten Leeds, but certainly weren't off the pace against them. And and they're probably the yardstick of the teams that I think, um, you know, what we're talking about in the middle of next year, who will be on their way back to the Premier League. They are probably much more likely to be in the conversation, you know, as we sit here in, in September, if, we, if we're to make those predictions. That's more the yardstick. I, I'm not buying into the Plymouth and, and Ipswich hype just yet. I'm not disrespecting them. I just think that from what we've seen of City, we have no reason to not be confident because it's so much more of a philosophy. It's a style now, like how we're playing. For us to go out and get, um, you know, get bullied, I'm not saying that we can't be off. Of course we can. All football teams, you know, don't have their best days. But just there it seems like there's a lot more security in the in the way we're playing the way we look to move the ball around and it would take a special performance to to beat us and um and knowing that i just i, I actually target both these games and and think that they're going to be huge momentum boosts i think if we certainly if we're able to take six points of off teams that are you know above us on the ladder um at least for now um all of a sudden that momentum um you know people start to buy into the hype train and um, you know, the feel-good factor around the club, like games at the MKM will be, you know, similar to the Leeds game, sellouts, and everyone will, um, you know, really start to jump on board. And, and if you're not already believing in the, the Rosie philosophy, you will be. So I'm actually really excited. I think it's a huge opportunity. Yeah, as Cameron says here, I mean, look, it's really a clash of a couple of the most highly rated managers in the league between Rosinha and then both Schumacher and McKenna. Um, all, all sort of really highly rated young um, managers and as you say Logan I think I think it's a case where look to be honest I'm just excited watching City play at the moment I think the style we're playing and the manner we're playing matches in it just makes every match so exciting and it's the first time since you know I mean Dan we've just done a couple of those flashback episodes looking back on the 2015 16 well I was season. actually thinking about that flashback just when Logan was talking about like teams not you know you know it's hard to run away and I thought about this that season when we were we were we were flying and then we fell apart mm. in I think it was December or something or like and we just fell in a heap and then dropped down and then we couldn't ever quite reclaim enough points to finish in the automatics. Yeah, yeah, and and it's like that's but that's probably the last season I can, I can remember being this sort of excited or enthusiastic about the way City was playing and and I suppose it's sort of the the chance or the the possibility of really being in the promotion race 
um, for the first time in a while and actually going into each game thinking, whilst I'm not banking the three points, it's certainly a winnable fixture. You look at, you know, the Leicester and the Leeds games as games that we, we came away without losing. Um, it's it's a really exciting position to be in at the moment. And, and certainly if we were to take six points from these two games, Ipswich being above us in the table as well, we can close the gap on them. Um, it really sort of starts to cement a place either at least in the, in the top six or at least in that sort of race for the top six, um, which is a really good position to be in. As you say, Dan, you started the episode saying, you know, taking stock after 10 games, after these two games, we'll be 10 games into the season. Um, it'll be a great position to be in to, to sort of um, take stock of, of how we're looking for the season to come. Um, but then I suppose just on these games then, uh, and maybe I'll start with you, Dan, obviously Graves is, is going to be out for that Plymouth game with that fifth yellow card. Um, is there any other changes that you'd look to make? I suppose McLaughlin's probably the natural one just to come in for Greaves and, and potentially leave leave the rest of the team as is. Um, yes and no. I think it might be depending on – but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see, like, the connolly Delac um, partnership up top again. I thought uh, – I'm not exactly sure why um, – because Delac got subbed real early – um, against Leeds, it seemed like it was only 60 minutes or something. Mm. Um, and then he didn't get much. Didn't start against, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure whether there was a, there's a niggle or there's a, like, just a, it's, you know, managing load or, um, or whether there's, you know, they've decided they want to go differently about, you know, the, the attacking play. But I thought those two together um, have been quite, um, Imposing, I think, with Delap's physicality as well, particularly, um, makes a big difference. So I wouldn't be surprised to see like um, those guys maybe both both starting. But um, apart from that, yeah, it's 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 real hard at the moment because you sort of like there's you know I think we talked about the bench and like every, every pretty much every player on the bench could could feasibly be starting. You would be disappointed now, which has not always been the case. Like. Um, you're going, well, the Keelers come on for a couple of really impressive substitution appearances now. Like, do, does he deserve a start? If he does, who does he, who do you, like, who's not performed that you have to take out? And it's like, well, I was going to say, who, you, you want to start Delap? Who comes out for Delap? Don't ask me questions that I don't have answers <laughs> to, mate. You just asked if I would make changes. I'm suggesting I'm, one. I don't know who I'm changing, but we're going to play with I'm looking at. I'm thinking it through. I'm thinking it through in my head. It's like, is it Sari? Is it Morden? Is it Slater? Is it Traore? I mean, like, I mean, arguably on form, it's Sari, but I don't think you could take him out just because of what it's he probably has to Traore. If, 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 out of, yeah. if it was one of those players, probably Traore. Um, yeah. And I don't think he has like he, he's been he's been good when he's when he's been more central. I think he's been way more influential and, and way more impactful. But um, I just think. It's weird though, because I mean, like Philogene, Delap, Connolly, all um, going to drive like and um, like across like through the lines and, and get be- getting behind um, is a bit rough. But I just think Delap, he, he's so strong and so physical with, with with getting that that ball, that you know long balls from Allsop to Delap, where he would just bring it down and just hold off and turn off, turn and you know roll his defender and be able to play Philogene or. Or Connolly in behind, um, I, I think would be really dangerous, especially on a team that's going to try and like pl- play a bit of count, like, or play like play really high and, and, and aggressively on us. If if Allsop was releasing some some balls long for Delap sitting high, um, and he would, was holding them up, I think that would be um, 
would would cause them some problems, and I think then they'd have to change the way they played, or we, I think we'd tear them apart. What are your thoughts on the lineup, Logan? Yeah, look, I uh, I feel like it's um, shooting fish in a barrel as well. Um, I think I think I think Dan's done a pretty good job. I guess like Louis Coyle is obviously going to come back into the squad into the squad. I know that you know Christie didn't play too much at the start, but he looked he looked pretty good um, against Stoke you know, in particular. Um, you've got I mean, there's there's still players like Harry Vaughan that we you know had a huge were touted massive raps on at the start of the season that we haven't seen much of. Ali's another one that hasn't been. You know, talked about so uh, uh, Vinagre, like obviously he had a great performance, but if Louis Coyle comes back, what does that, there is just there's there's huge possibilities, and I think that that's kind of you know what makes it exciting. Um, I, I just I don't even think that we can hazard a guess as to what the likely changes are. I think that Rosinius did a really good job. I think that the reason that you um, that you mentioned Alex as to why he brought uh, Delap off against Leeds. When they went down to ten men was what was because of that space and they were just kind of sitting back, and you know that's why I found it strange to see him not start at Stoke. But then arguably, like he's now fresh, like he's going to yeah. be coming off a you know seven day rest, and he he would probably be our form player of the season. Um, you know on performance, I know that his goal return isn't as impressive as Connolly's, but it's still great. And then mm. Tufan as well. So look, it's there's just some incredible problems to have, and even as we kind of talk through it now, like it, it just it, it kind of adds to that excitement factor and to why we are kind of yeah starting to buy into to have this level of optimism because you know playing against these teams like Plymouth and and Ipswich, they will be looking at the city squad going, oh man, like these guys are deep, and and that's a really um, difficult problem and and one that's hard to prepare for because we can. You know, offer so many different attacking approaches and and set up um, in a way to to kind of hurt you, which um you know has has very, been very different from our recent experiences where we are a, a one trick pony of uh, of kick and hope. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's it, and it's also the fact that we well, I mean we sort of touched on um you know sort of the strong level of performances, and you you have to consider as well the fact that we've had such a tough start to the season, which I think. Is almost going under the radar a lot with, I mean, I think there's been a lot of praise for City so far this season as people are starting to wake up to the level of performances and, and our kind of credentials. But you consider the fact that, you know, we had Norwich first up, we had Leicester away, we've played Leeds, um, Blackburn are no slouches either. Bristol City are looking a real um, contender as well. Um, and we've kind of come through that to be already sitting fourth in the table. You consider the fact that we've still got games to come against sides who aren't performing as well. Um, it yeah. really adds a whole lot of potential um, to where we could actually go this season. Um, and look, as Cameron says, you know, we've got so many good options, whether we lose players in January, like like, like Ali or Cynic. Cynic's another one that we haven't even really touched on. I think he was on the bench against Leicester. Um, but I think that's definitely something that becomes a really difficult conversation in, in January in terms of what we do with the squad. And and I think it's a much easier conversation from the club perspective if, if we continue this level of performance where you go at a, a club that's achieving and a club that's performing is a much better club to be around so that if there's players like a, an Ali or a Cynic not getting as much game time, they might be more willing to stay knowing that the club's doing well and there's every chance that they could be a Premier League player next season or at least associated with a Premier League club or anything like that. Whereas if we were you know, mid-table or something and these guys aren't getting a look in, there's much more chance that they're going to be like, well, oh, stuff this. I want to I want to go somewhere in January and, and get an opportunity. So I think 
you know, everything sort of pulls in the right direction when, when the club's starting to achieve on the field, which is um, always a good good sign for the, for the club. Um, but maybe I'll, I'll round things off then, I guess, and get maybe not score predictions from each of you, but what sort of, I guess, points predictions for these two games and, and any sort of closing thoughts that you might have on these fixtures. Um, I'll start with you, Dan. Uh, I'm going to go a win and a draw. Um, don't ask me that order. I haven't decided yet. Um, but one of these games to, to be a win and one to be a draw. Um, I think my only closing thoughts is I was just thinking, looking at the fixture list and I think, you know, you go, we've got another, this, this is two games that are close together again, which is a good opportunity to utilise some of that depth. So, uh, you know, we talk about changes. Maybe there won't be any changes for this first game against Plymouth, but you see Ipswich, you know, three days later. You know, there's probably going to be some rotation there. And I think I think it's going to be the case throughout the season. You know, you get to December, January, it's always becomes pretty fixture heavy um, with some really challenging periods where you're going to need the the, the full um, you know, the full squad. So I think those guys, it, it probably is very frustrating at the moment that they're not being a, not out there, not being a part of those victories and those really solid performances. But I think for the most part, their, their time will come and. As always, um, you know, touch wood, but you, they're also only an injury away from, you know, game time. And that's kind of, like, that's the point of building the squad like that so that we don't lose anything if, you know, God forbid, somebody does, you know, go down, you know, has an injury, is out for, for a little while. So, um, I which, think was, the, which we've seen with Tufan. I mean, Tufan yeah, was exactly our top right. goal scorer. Whereas, like, you looked at last year. And I thought, you know, we done, we we did certainly improved the squad for last season, but you know, when when Ali went down, when Oscar went down, we seemed very like we were struggling big time. We seemed toothless for big, for for big chunks of the season. Whereas um, it doesn't feel that way at all. You know, Tufan, who when he when he went when he was gone when he left the starting eleven, was top scorer had had his four goals in four games or something and. Um, and now he's fighting his way to get back into the starting eleven. So I think, you know, it's a testament to what Rose has built and a testament to, to, you know, to a successful club and, and, and confident um, players who are informed. So I think, um, you know, I'm talking myself into t- tipping two wins now. <laughs> what about you, Logan? See, I was very confident and I was about to go with the Dan. I was going to say six points, but I think Dan talked me into four points just because that sounds <laughs> a, lot, a lot more rational. I think that um, it would be two really good performances. Um, and, and I actually do really feel confident about both of these games. Uh, whether that equates to six points, I mean, six points in the championships is very hard to come by um, in straight succession. What I will say is if I think if we win these two games, I would back us to make the top six. I, I genuinely, in two, in two games' time, if we, if we win these two games and we're six points ahead, I would look at the team and go, okay, I don't think, seeing what we've seen in the championship now, if we play even close to our potential, we'll be there at the business end of the season. So that's that's my hot tip. But I'm going to say four points. I'm going to follow Dan in on that. And I, I do see this as a really critical point in the season this early to give us a, a true indication of, of, of how serious we are going to be. Massive pressure on the squad. I mean, look, it, it is kind of crazy when you think after these two games will be 10 games into the season, which is getting close to a quarter of the season. Like, it's no longer a small sample size. It's a pretty decent chunk of exposed form. Um, <clears throat> and you just think with those points on the board, you know, even even so far as you're saying 
there's a little bit of a gap starting to form with the teams outside the six. It's, you know, for, for you know, games that they then have to make back up on us. And, you know, people will say maybe it's a little bit reactionary or a bit over, you know, bit bit knee-jerk to be um, getting too excited too early. But I think you're absolutely right. And and it kind of comes back to what I was saying in terms of if you're taking three points off Ipswich, having taken three points off Leicester, having drawn with Leeds as well, all sides above or around us, you suddenly that mini table of teams that you're competing with for the top six, the number of games remaining is reduced. So the number of times for them to take points off you is also reducing. So it all becomes a bit of a, a game within a game in that sense. And oh, look, I think if we're, we're coming out the other side of this with six points, I think we're in a very, very handy position. I think for me, um, I, I'm also probably going to say four points would be something I'd be pretty happy with. Um, but what I just, I'd love to just, yeah, see two great performances and, um, you know, we haven't we haven't talked about it with these two squads, but we've got Massimo Luongo playing for Ipswich. We've got Ben Wayne playing for um, Plymouth. So there's mm. a couple of you know Aussie slash A League alumni to uh, to look out for in these games. Just wait till we play Borough. Yeah, well that's right. I mean, like they're, they're absolutely stacked with them yeah. as well. So um, I think I saw uh, Glover got a clean sheet for them this morning, actually. So um, maybe he'll he'll um, he'll oust Dieng at, at Borough, but uh, no, that'll be interesting. And I just want to add one more thing, Alex, and I know that every season you can go back through and you can look at results, but I certainly don't think we got beaten at Norwich despite the, you know, the absolute domination. That late goal is one that we can almost chalk up. One point there would have been a very good indication. And then if you want to take, if you want to take the Leeds result, and I know that Dan's been on the fence of, you know, a, a point was fair. It very could have easily been three. And all of a sudden, you know, there's a conversation now about Leicester being the best championship team ever because of the start that they've had. And the only team that's beaten it is us. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. And so, and so, look, I, like, let's not, let's not get into too many, um, you know, heavy-weighted conspiracy theories. But if, if we add those things in, we, we could very easily be the best team in the championship to date um, yeah. this season even though the table is not totally reflecting that. So I'm, I'm being optimistic. Look, I think there's absolutely a case to be made. Look, it's, it's a really exciting, as, as I sort of said earlier in the episode, it's a really exciting time to be a City supporter. And you look at the crowds at the MKM against Leeds and hopefully massive crowds again against Plymouth uh, this weekend. And, and it, it's just, and I think you were saying in the chat earlier this week, Logan, I think that's the most important thing and, and a great message to sign the, the podcast off with. But it's just great to have City back you know, pumping in the stadium and, and excited for each and every game. Um, that's where we want to be. We, you know, whether we make it to the Premier League or not, like this is what we, we're City supporters for. And, and you know, what a perfect day to be recording the episode on 15 years after um, the 2-1 win over Arsenal, which which really sort of sealed being a City supporter for me with that absolutely brilliant win uh, and the Giovanni goal. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's been a great ride already this season and, and, and hopefully it continues with another six points um, before next week, but um, we'll leave it there. So thank you for joining us, Dan. Yeah, no worries. It was a good chat, a long one, but it was um, it's good with the three of us on here. Thanks for yeah, the no, discussion. Absolutely, absolutely. And thank you for joining us, Logan. My pleasure, Alex. It's amazing how much more there is to talk about when uh, when things are going well. That's it, absolutely. And look, thanks everyone for joining us uh, both in the chat and on the replay. Um, but we'll be back next week to talk hopefully about another six points for City. But until then, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast, The Tigers Down Under. 
For more discussion, join us on Facebook at the Hull City AFC Australia Facebook group, or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber Black. There's no turning back cause you're out